Welcome to week 21. Jordan, do you have a sheet? I took yours. All right, they're, they're passing one up to you. Welcome to week 21, the seventh commandment. Now we all have a sheet. Let's look at the, uh, the questions. By the way, I hopefully you've noticed this. The questions are the same every week, just changing the number of the commandment. What is the seventh commandment? Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. What does the seventh commandment require of us? It requires sacrificial love and faithfulness in marriage. It requires sexual purity in heart, words, and actions. So this commandment is not only for married people, it's for everyone. It's talking about sexual purity. Remember, every command, we want to focus on the general spiritual principle of the command. So this command, like last week when we looked at the command to not commit murder, is broader and deeper than just that one act of murder. This is broader and deeper than the and one act of adultery. It requires sacrificial love in marriage. It requires husbands to be good husbands, good and faithful husbands. It requires wives to be good and faithful wives. Sacrificial love and faithfulness in marriage. It requires sexual purity in heart, words, and actions for all people, married or unmarried. What does the seventh commandment forbid? It forbids, obviously, it's going to forbid the opposite of what it requires. It forbids selfishness in marriage. It forbids unfaithfulness in marriage. And it forbids divorce. And it forbids sexual perversion in heart, words, and actions. That's for everyone. Now, the culture around us, the world around us, and even our own selfish pride, our own sinful flesh, will tell us that sexual perversion doesn't even exist. It will tell you, it will tempt you, it will try to persuade you and pressure you to live however you please, whatever you think is right. Sexual perversion doesn't exist, but the fact is sexual perversion does exist. It's a violation of God's role for sexual pleasure and sexual passions. And so this is connected and intertwined with the marriage commandment, the nature of marriage, to not commit adultery. It requires sacrificial love and faithfulness in marriage and sexual purity in all things, and it forbids the opposite of those, selfishness. It forbids husbands from being selfish husbands. It forbids wives from being selfish wives forbids unfaithfulness and it forbids divorce. But then in general, for anyone, married or unmarried, it forbids sexual perversion in heart, word, and actions. What does the seventh commandment teach us about God? Do you remember this also about the commands? One, it gives us a spiritual principle. Two, it tells us what's required and it tells us what's forbidden. And three, it teaches us something about God. Commandments reflect God's character. It teaches us that God is faithful and pure. And that's good news. For when God pledges himself to us and says, I am your God, I am your Savior, he will never, ever go back on that word. He will never change his mind about that. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's faithful and he's pure. It teaches us also, next sentence, that God created marriage. God, of course God created marriage. God created all things. God created lizards. God created stars. God created marriage. And therefore, God alone defines 
God alone defines what marriage is and what marriage requires. Marriage is between one man and one woman, a commitment for life. What does this mean for Christians? Taking another section out of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, we did that for the Sixth Commandment also, you shall not commit murder, that was Matthew 5, 21 through 26. This week is Matthew 5, 27 through, 20, through 32, it's on your sheet so you don't have to turn there, but in the Sermon on the Mount we get a little window into the true meaning of the law as Jesus interprets and expounds how to understand and apply the law in its spiritual nature. What does this mean for Christians? It means that Christians should faithfully honor and teach a biblical view of marriage. We cannot be afraid of that. We have to do that. Just like a uh, baseball player won't know how to hold the bat unless he's taught how to hold the bat, people won't know what marriage is unless God teaches us what marriage is. It's not for us to invent or to make up what we think or how we think we ought to live. Christians should faithfully honor and teach a biblical view of marriage. Second sentence, it means that Christians should strive to live faithful and pure lives, not not just as examples to the world, of course as examples to the world. It's part of our example of being followers of Christ. Not just as examples to the world, but as living sacrifices to the Lord. We live to the Lord. We give our lives to God. Of course, God gave our lives to us, so it's only right and proper and reasonable that we would give our lives to Him. Matthew 5, 27 through 32, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, this is an illustration. So kids, what this is talking about is things in your life that cause you to sin. Things in your life that tempt you to sin and cause you to sin. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you would lose one of your members, what, body parts, one of your body parts, and then your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, just think about within the illustration, what Jesus is saying inside this illustration. It's better to be in heaven with God and be blind than to be able to see and be in hell away from God, right? And it's better to be in, it's just an illustration. This is the illustration. It's better to be in heaven with God in paradise and not have arms than to have arms and be in hell away from God. So that's an illustration. Of course, we know that we're going to receive resurrection bodies, when Christ returns, so we'll have whole bodies, healthy bodies, but in the illustration, he's emphasizing this extreme illustration to show us how serious sin is, and how serious temptations and causes of sin are, and we do have a duty, when we see things in our lives that tempt us, or cause us to sin, to avoid those things, and cut them off, verse 31 and 32, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. We honor marriage because God created marriage. Marriage is a gift to us. Marriage isn't a punishment. 
marriage is a gift, just like children are a gift. Children aren't a, aren't a punishment, just like coming to church. That's a gift. That's not punishment. Coming to Bible study, that's a gift. That's a good thing. Wonderful things, not punishments. Good things. God puts good things before us that we would live for him and be blessed in living for him. The world will tell us, Satan will tempt us, and our own sinful pride will try to deceive us and trick us to think that God has something bad for us. Why would you ever want to obey him? He's trying to keep something good from you. The complete opposite is the case. God has something good for you in marriage, in a biblical, God-honoring view of marriage, in faithfulness to a spouse is an act of faithfulness to the God who made you and gave you that spouse. Let's pray.